Hello there, this is Nate with a quick coin disclaimer as Josh really likes his quarters in this episode. That said, enjoy our mustached guest and his knowledge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and thank you for taking the time to listen to us talk about small plastic toys. And now to some cool music and Matthew's more normal introduction. Hello there! Today we are bringing you a special guest who brought the fury to LVO. My name is Matthew, and welcome to the Gamers Guild. Hello there! So, welcome to our 50th episode, the big 5-0. We've been around for 50 episodes and we're bringing something exceptionally special for you today we're going to talk about shield we're going to revisit shield from our earlier episode and first off i am joined by the guest that we had on that affiliation breakdown i mean not the guest the host that we had on that affiliation breakdown josh merzane how you doing i'm doing good i mean you can you can make me a guest if you really want to i can i can do many roles i can do many things here all right, today you're the guest as well. Yes, the perfect. The second guest. My and dreams. Being a guest star on the Gamers Guild podcast have been fulfilled. You finally made it. I finally did it. I'm here, boys. <laughs> you can call your mama. You can tell her. You pr- She's proud of you. I will. She watched me win NashCon. It tells you how much my mom is involved in my war dolly hobbies. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. So... Well, it's not just the two of us. We are actually bringing in a special guest. We're actually one of the few guests we're bringing back. He was part of our S.H.I.E.L.D. affiliation breakdown episode. And that person from the... uh... And with us, we're having an extra special guest, a guest that we had on our prior affiliation breakdown for S.H.I.E.L.D. He's come back. All the way over here from the Alfredo Size 3 Taco Truck Podcast, a Marvel Crisis Protocol Podcast, Vince Kirkhoff. How you doing, buddy? (laughs) I'm I'm doing great. You know, my favorite part about being a guest on uh, Gamers Guild is that you don't have to do the dishes. So, Merzane, no dishes for you tonight, man. True. My wife's going to make me do dishes after this probably, though, so... Uh, at least it's not. At least I don't double. But you don't got to do them at the guild, okay? True. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My hands are gonna get so pruny. You can wear gloves for that, like Doctor Strange. But I don't get the the nice tactile. The whole, I drop the dishes when I will when I wear gloves, and then they what, break. What you're telling me is you really like the feeling of like hand scrubbing off like the caked on food on my plate. I love no, it. I love wearing it so your much. raincoat ruins all the feeling of washing the dishes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that image. <laughs> Spe- speaking of raincoats, uh, we're going to talk. It's like about- it's like wearing socks. Who wears socks with their shoes? I want to feel the soles of my shoes. Monster. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! We're already off the rails, folks. <laughs> Get ready for a wild one. 
we are so we're gonna talk about shield today we're gonna revisit shield this is um less uh if you wanted to get the breakdown of our sort of individual approaches to shield you can go back to our shield affiliation breakdown episode earlier is last year and you can find that get a good idea but things have changed since then we now have crisis changes that have changed there have been new releases uh a whole the whole dynamic and landscape of marvel crisis protocol has changed and with that shield has to adapt or die and Vince has proven that Shield can adapt and not die because Vince recently was the sole champion of the Las Vegas Open. Congratulations. Uh, uh, Gale, thanks. Uh, I, I tried real hard and I was very nervous about it all weekend and it worked out. <laughs> you sure did. And it was fun, right? Yeah, I had, I had a great time. All of my opponents were great. Uh, I had a fun time. I love playing Shield. Shield's the best affiliation in the game uh, to play. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I not agree. fun to play against. I play a lot. I play a lot of Shield. Again, yeah, I don't know how it is to play against. I don't really play a lot against Shield, but it's a lot of fun. All the games feel really close. It never feels like you're blowing anybody out, but it always feels like you have a certain amount of control. But it also feels like you fall off the rails at any time, and that can be really exciting. Or maybe it feels. Just- it feels like such a decisions matter affiliation. Like it feels like you can be the protagonist. You make the right decisions and you'll win. If you make the wrong decisions, your opponent's going to roll you more so than like a lot of other affiliations that feel like maybe they ask a question, like, can you handle this guy? And if you can, I'll, that was fun, I guess. But it also feels like an affiliation where you can just, you can kind of just sit there and your opponent spends like five, ten minutes just staring at the board, being like, okay, if I do this, he's going to eye in the sky. But if I do this, he's going to eye in the sky. Or well, I can do this and ignore him, and then I can do this other, and maybe bait out the eye in the sky. And I'm just sitting there on the other side of the board just thinking to myself, I'm not going to eye in the sky. That's not what I'm doing right now. And they just spend ten minutes just mind warping themselves while you're just sitting there enjoying some water, some nuts. You're literally like, I'm only going to eye in the sky juggernaut for the fourth time this game. It's the only thing I've done it to. <laughs> That's true. I've definitely sat there and said, I'm not going to eye in the sky unless you activate this particular model. You can think all you want about it, but you don't know what I'm going to do. And that's exactly. kind of the joy of it. Well, that's your fault for playing uh, juggernaut. Okay. That's, that's not my fault. <laughs> five die builders only, please, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Your five threat should only get to roll five die attacks. Why are you doing anything else? Seems fair. <laughs> so we are going to approach that. But before we get started, we want to jump in with a little quick, what are we playing? Uh, one of the new segments that we're having. Uh, Josh, what have you been playing lately? Well, I'm playing like almost every list in my in my crit wild uh, roster, but the ones I'm focusing on is I'm working on like refining my shield roster a little bit. Um, I, I, I really like Sentinel prime in that list. I know I, I know it's not exactly the best, but I really like big boys and on the big boy train. I'm also tinkering with a, um, with a dark dimension list that I might be taking next season uh, for the, for TTS season 11. Cause I feel like it's a, a criminally underplayed affiliation that like doesn't get a lot of cool discussion. And I've been 
finding some really cool synergies I haven't really seen people playing and I really want to try out. Oh, so we can finally do a Dark Dimension affiliation breakdown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, new. I'll, I'll get back to you after I've uh, gotten my teeth kicked in about six more times, um, getting absolutely punished for my decision. Um, but and, and Dormammu splattered across another like three threat character. Um, but what I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I, I think there's something there. I'm just having to dig for it. Well, you know, the the Malekith nerf definitely opens up, I think, a lot of space for Dormammu to at least do something, at least be fun, not just be like, you're just going to face Malekith and he's just going to um, delete your yeah. model. I, I feel like he came out and people like saw the existing metagame and the, and the models released and were like, okay, well, he doesn't do a lot right now and experimented a little bit and then dropped him. Like I looked at Ryan, my friend played Rhino against me with him and it just got my, my like head wheels turning like, Oh, that's a really cool synergy. When he ornery, when you, when he takes damage, he orneries. And then that gives like all this extra power for no reason. And he's just actually good with Dormammu, like just the things he brings, like what other characters are new and cool and different that add something to the character. And I've been finding several like, uh, Hoff and the boys, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, uh, another good one that just like works with them. And that's what I'm trying to find is like, what's the cool new tech with our, uh, with our original big boy. Oh, let me, let me tell you then one of the most fun things you can do with Dormammu, other than what you're already alluding to, which is like put him on the midline before he activates with uh, the Howling commandos and uh, Medusa. But my favorite thing to do with him is to play the grand illusion. Uh-huh. You ever attacked anything under the Grand Illusion with Dormammu? No, but I see where I see where you're cooking. <laughs> I so, love that. So if if you don't know, listeners, uh, the Grand Illusion is a tactics card with Mysterio that says your crits don't explode, and then I turn them into skulls. And Dormammu counts skulls as his hits. Uh, so you just like stuff just evaporates that's within three of of uh, Mysterio. That's that's so good. It's like I also was looking at um, uh, people always talk about like, oh, well, when my guys flip over, they have too much power, right? And then my guys take a damage. So I'm playing characters with one less health on their injured side. So I'm bringing Iron Man with Helios so I can be like, oh, you're about to get a big turn and I'm going to lose, get a bunch of power. Well, I'm just going to dump literally all my power before that happens. So like all this reserve and then I just get a good Helios turn. So like. There's a whole lot of stuff I'm looking at. Like I'm, I'm, I'm digging. Like I said, I'm digging it. Didn't think about Grand Illusion. Um, that's <laughs> good one. that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Mysterio is also a character that can dump ten power, and is oh yeah, no sweat, and like, use it, get good use out of it, and use it on the opponent's turn too. That's another thing I'm looking at is who can use power, uh, ref- like, um, not reflexively. What am I? Th- what's the reactively? Reactively. They're both our words, and with a Y. Um, another one I was like, Zemo's an obvious one. Uh, there was another one. Oh, Mordo. Mordo's another one I was thinking of because that damage to the character that he boosts also becomes a power for Dormammu. So you have a way to just like give a power to Dormammu as well. So like, I'm looking at a whole bunch of weird stuff. If you have any ideas, message them to me because I'm, I'm going deep. Well, you know, that's a good, uh, just, you can message them to him, but also, we had just opened up our Discord publicly 
you know, the link will be in the show notes and you can just hop into our discord and at Merzane and tell him what he should be putting into his dark dimension roster. Yeah. Include an Omega red arm picture too. Um, if you really want to get my attention, this, this is not really, the house party protocol. If you really, if you really, it's not just that discord. I get tagged for that in. Sorry. <laughs> it's my, it's one of my favorite things to wake up to sometimes. Well, see, yeah, if you say that, then they'll stop. That's the plan. Exactly. I'm, I have to lie about how much I enjoy it. So people will stop sending me things that disgust me. Well, so for me, I have been playing uh, a lot of different things. I've been dipping my toe. I've been basically using the tabletop simulator league as a, and as an excuse to just learn the crises and to try out different things. I've been playing that tanky Sam Avengers list that I got a little sad when Sam took his 45th nerf to his leadership. <laughs> so I felt a little less excited about playing Sam for a second, but maybe I'll go back now that Spider-Woman is out. Uh, I've been playing shield again, uh, with agent venom to see how he is. And I haven't actually been presented with a situation when I played shield that agent venom hit the table, but it's been fun. And I've also been trying out guardians that I surprisingly have never played before and decided that would might be fun as well. And also fun. It turns out there's a lot of fun stuff in this game. Weird. Weird. Very weird. Didn't, didn't expect that. (laughs) But uh, that's that's what I've been doing. I've been doing moderately fine. I haven't been knocked out yet of contention. I'm, I'm basically just waiting for Josh to get matched up to me so he can knock me out of the cuts. As, as is tradition. As is tradition. And I, as I believe in tradition. I, I'm, I'm saving Sam for our matchup. Because like, okay. I know it's, I always, it's always with Sam. And it's always like in the, in the sixth or fifth or sixth round. Oh, baby. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, how about you, Vince? Are you are you playing anything? Um, so I'm playing a little bit of Shield, but you guys don't care about that. I'm also playing. I have had a bunch of local or like good friends of mine recently jump into Marvel Crisis Protocol, and I don't want to just play my super tuned Shield list mm-hmm. uh, into them. And I'm kind of one of those people that can't like, you know throw like fake punches or whatever like oh uh you really you really got me man i like i have to just like kind of play a faction that i'm worse with or that is worse so i'm playing my painting faction which is spider foes which has all the best models in the game and it has my favorite model in the game mysterio who i've been playing a lot lately and like all of my lists there's still a bunch of shield stuff in it but uh, I really, really believe in the like concept of fun as a finite resource. Have I explained this to you guys before? You explained sure it about. to us in our last episode. Oh, okay. Well, for the listeners, there's only so much fun in the world, right? And so as a player of a game, it is your job to go across the table and take the fun from your opponent. That doesn't necessarily mean winning, but like only one of you can have it. Should be you. <laughs> Right. And believe you me, if it's if we're playing, it's going to be me. So fun ways to steal fun from your opponent in spider foes. So first of all, the best way is to uh, play the Grand Illusion. I love the Grand Illusion. This card's so dumb. And then I've been combining it with Disruption Field from Crimson Dynamo. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. <That's> rude. <laughs> so uh, so. 
if you attack me, uh, you're down a dice because you're shocked. Your crits aren't going to explode and are going to get turned into skulls, right? And then two of the successes you do have are going to be rerolled. In practical terms, this means if you're within three of Mysterio, you are not allowed to do damage. Like you're, you don't, you don't do damage. My, I have an invincibility cheat code for a turn that I turn on. I have a feeling it's not even just the Mysterio having played against and played with Crimson Dynamo. He is he is the mother of all fun drainers from your opponent. He just completely like makes your opponent really excited that they did something and then really sad right afterwards. Oh yeah. I the last time I played against Crimson Dynamo in like a tournament setting, uh I was playing Shield and I had a really great turn and then Crimson Dynamo woke up and did one beam and one shot four guys. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, Oh no, <laughs> that seems bad. Yeah. It was it was very bad, and I lost the game because of, I had I activated exactly Sentinel Prime that game or that round. Should have used Eye in the Sky, man. I did. <laughs> I he did one shot five guys. <laughs> oh, he actually he one shot three guys on that beam and then turned. Uh, then I activated Sentinel Prime to get him out of there and maybe have something, and then Kingpin walked up and one shot Iron Man. And then Domino, Domino and Bucky three shot my Sentinel. So it was not a great time for me. Mm. It was, it was Crimson Dynamo and uh, Grand Illusion levels of sucking the fun right out of my entire existence. (laughs) But that's essentially what I've been doing. I've been playing lots of spider foes. I also really love just getting into spider foes. They're like, I used to use them only for demo games. And I recently gave a demo and my favorite thing is that a lot of the people in our meta just tend to get into the game by buying the web warriors box now. Cause they're like, I like Spider-Man let's play spiders. And I get to like yell die Spider-Man and <laughs> like cackle when I like blow things up next to them. And I also think they're like a really fun. Uh, I think there's like a really fun demo team because uh, you can just like forget about the scoreboard and just go try to chase spiders. It's really fun. It's also like all their models are really good. Like yeah. of all the affiliations, I feel like they have had consistently the best models. You mean, so they're really, like aesthetically, yeah, yeah. Aesthetically. Yeah. Yeah. They're hands down the best faction to look at. Like maybe convocation competes, but I don't really think so. No, I don't even think it's close. I, I think that the quality varies in convocation, but the quality and, and uh, spider foes models aside from core box uh, Doc Ock, which is remedied by getting the rivals panel box um, varies from good to great because your, your floor is like, I don't know, maybe green goblin himself and your ceiling is like lizard. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say, I don't know. Maybe Venom is like Venom is the worst one. Venom's, yeah, Venom might actually be the worst, and wow. he's fine. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's not like by worst, I don't mean bad. I just mean like the worst thing you got is Venom just rolling up to you with his tongue sticking out in your face. Mm-hmm. Wow, we we super disagree on the tier list of the sculpts in that faction. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a new episode. Uh, Which one is yours? Uh, I think it's Craven, followed by Lizard, are like the two worst. Really? Oh, really? So I so first of all, 
I just want before the internet comes for me with pitchforks. I like Lizard Sculpt. Like I do. I don't think AMG has locked down how to sculpt water. Mm, I see what you're saying. I can right? see that. I think the I think the water feature looks really bad, but I think everything else about that sculpt looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Um but I just think like, you know, much like the Colossus sculpt, which I would put in one of the worst sculpts in the range, isn't anything is sculpted badly on that model. It's a composition thing. Like the the like arm is over his face. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that like ruins the model. And so like, this is kind of the same thing where I think like, uh, I think the sewer is super cool looking. He looks great. I love the tattered cloak. I love all the detail on him. I think his pose is good. It's just like the water, like gushing up in that weird way. Mm-hmm. And then also like the streams just kind of go into an empty hole that's completely flat. Like why there isn't sculpted water down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see that. I, I, and I think that to that point, like AMG is constantly pushing the envelope for stuff for their yeah, like, like, look at ri- original Hulk and look at the new immortal Hulk coming out. And like Dude, the new Hulk looks super good. Dude, I could not be less excited about a Hulk and man, this mini is pretty. It looks it so a good. good. Looking mini. <laughs> Have you guys seen the, uh, the, the, somebody did like a sort of a kit bash, like Photoshop kit bash where they just swapped the tops and bottoms of the two Hulks and how they look if you just swap them. Nuh-uh. It is, I'll just send it to you later, but it is phenomenal. It makes both of them look absolutely amazing. I, I'm anticipating the events. Uh, I'm excuse me, Sensei events. Uh, that's how we should refer to you in this. Is that uh, your favorite is Mysterio of the Spider-Foes line? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think one. that he's he's up there. He's, he's one of the best in the game. I, I had a lot of fun painting Mysterio, and every time I show it to people, they're like, "Wow, the fishbowl looks good." I am intimidated by the fishbowl. I was too, and I I probably spent like more time on the fishbowl than anything else. I mean, maybe the wisps because the wisps are so like intricately woven throughout him. But like other than that, like I spent a lot of time like looking at other wisp fishbowls and looking at comic references and like looking at what I had available to me, and it was just a lot. It was a lot. I just sent you guys on Discord my Mysterio fishbowl sculpt. That's better than my fishbowl sculpt. (laughs) (laughs) It it just looks like his head is full of uh, a green liquid. I like that. Yeah. I had a a ton of fun with that model. That model's so cool. And then, like, on the table, I think he's like the best design model they've ever done. Oh, he looks incredible. He's also one of three models that has no foot or only has one foot. Excuse me. Uh, So. I've been corrected a bunch of times and there's been uh-huh. a lot of pedants that have come out of the woodwork to talk to me about it. Right. So the four I had on the list when I wrote the question was uh, Loki, Sinister, Mysterio, Hood. Yep. Right. I mm-hmm. have had a bunch of people be like, Hood shouldn't count. Hood has three feet in his box. <laughs> That's not one foot, Vince. That's not how that works. And I'm like, okay, like, Sure, I would have allowed it for though. And then people are like, but you have definitely forgot Rogue. And multiple people have brought their Rogue to me and been like, see, barely a foot. It's like the back of her heel and that's it. So it's one and a half feet. I don't own a Rogue. Well, no, it's like both of her feet are like heavily obscured. She like has a foot combined. Oh, okay. I see. Because it's got the, it's covered in that explosion stuff. That, 
that makes me think uh, your next um, one of your next categories should be characters with four feet. <laughs> All right, I'll take it under advisement. You just also no, you got to drop these in. See, the thing is, is the contestants they listen to everything I do. They're just waiting for me to drop any hint for who wants to be a taco truck, uh, and they're definitely going to be listening to this. So I, I can't use that one. You got to drop it to me in a in a Discord message, man. I'm a we'll, we'll, we'll 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 edit this one out. Whoever's editing oh, okay, this, yeah, yeah. has to edit this one out. <laughs> well, uh, I I also sent you. Uh, uh, I sent in the Discord message what the the two Hulks look like. I yeah, really it looks, it looks pretty good. I love what it does for the old Hulk bottom, but the new Hulk bottom with old Hulk top just makes me think he's trying to he's like trying out for a ballet. He looks very <laughs> like Genie in the Lamp to me. Yeah, <laughs> it looks good, but it's it's not as good as the other top and bottom. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, it's a little bit of ballerina. You know what? You gotta, you gotta do, you gotta do that dance exercise to stay limber. You Hulk get, graceful, Hulk smash. It's stiff if you have all those muscles and you don't have the flexibility to go exactly. with it. Exactly. He's just breaking in his new ballet shoes. This is gonna make me buy three Hulk boxes so that I can have. Uh, you can have all, top, the, all the, all the top, two top halves, all the <laughs> possible combination of bottoms and tops that you could get <laughs> oh. for a Hulk. I'm just going to magnetize it. It'll be great. Dude. Oh, that is good. (laughs) Let me tell you how many times I keep looking at Sentinel Prime and I just want to buy like five of them so I can paint them different colors depending on the, the the different uh, variation (laughs) I want to run them in. Like I want to run a Sentinel Prime, Sentinel Prime. And then I also want to run like a shield Sentinel Prime. I've, I've thought this. I want to run a Sentinel Prime. That's like the one that the X-Men like hijacked and, and painted cool. Uh, I also like my Thanos is magnetized. So I have the different heads and arms magnetized. Uh, and it's really funny because when one falls off, they're like, oh, your your Thanos broke. I'm like, no, it's magnetized. The other ones are on the bottom of the base and I turn it over. And there's that little hollow bit in there. And I just shove them in there with more magnets. <laughs> You're like, you just perverse. You just have Thanos body parts underneath him. Well, anyway, enough of speaking of Thanos' body. So how's the shield cast going, guys? I think we have, <laughs> yeah, I think we have enough nonsense in the front. Let's get to our main topic, which is to talk about shield. So we wanted to approach this revisiting of the affiliation sort of, I mean, everyone here that's is very excited about shield. We love playing shield and everything changed. And if you go to the oldest shield affiliation, we probably talk a lot about like Montesi as a crisis. And Montesi as a crisis isn't exactly what it was anymore. So where it was like one of the most broken crises that S.H.I.E.L.D. could ever play and be super advantageous to it. Now it's probably fine to not good. I don't know. Uh, I haven't played Montesi with S.H.I.E.L.D., but it doesn't have all the same flares that it used to. So yeah. it, like if you get a book on a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, it's still good, but it's not as good as it used to be and iron man doesn't abuse it anymore. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I I did against Kenny. I did torture him with, uh, he set up a really good beam for me. So every time I activated my Nick Fury, he just got three power from a single beam. Uh, and that was nice. Um, it's always nice. So we wanted to talk about, um, to bring Vince on. So, he, so that he can talk to us and we can discuss about what does shield look like? moving forward. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about where S.H.I.E.L.D. is now. And that best topic would be 
Vince, you just won LVO. That's a that's that shows that's a lot of games you had to play, and you had to win a lot of games and not lose a lot of and like pretty much any of them. And so, tell us about what you did in the now in order to um, take Shield into LVO. Uh, I dark horse the tournament. I told everybody they were good that would listen, and nobody believed me, so nobody practiced against them. And then I also dodged X Men. And that's the thing that I did. Uh... Well, um, <laughs> let's let's start with what uh, what about your roster? Okay, uh, so the roster that I took to LVO was uh, two threat Black Widow, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Nick Fury Jr., Nick Fury Senior, Bucky, Bullseye, Luke Cage, Crimson Dynamo, and Rhino. Was any of those characters not really played? Uh, I played Rhino one game, and I lost the game that I played him. <laughs> well, what was your what was your thought process about Rhino? So uh, this, as I alluded to, man, X Men is such a bad matchup for Shield, and I haven't really solved it. Uh, Rhino was an idea into it that I had had some moderate success with, uh, because. Rhino can help you on pay to flips because he's very fast. So he can go from pay to flip to pay to flip to pay to flip and try to flip multiple. He also just like can hemorrhage power. He can like, you know, every time he gets attacked, he gets two power generally and is really good at building power. And, you know, his spender is the slide, which also gains him power. So like his power economy engine is just like overflowing. So it can help solve the pay to flip problem. He is really fast and good at chasing. Shield's not good at chasing. X-Men like to run away from you. Uh, the X-Men cover is not as much of a problem because while your first attack probably has cover, you get placed within one and then the second attack hopefully won't. Uh, and then he has the, this is a robbery ridiculous card uh, that also helps me not lose when they're running away with extracts. Well, this the does there a little bit of i guess anti synergy in the fact that the first attack you roll with rhino tends to be the one that gets the added <laughs> dice uh it's kind of like all over the place so i would actually say the synergy is like when you're short for the slide that's where you're in a lot of trouble because you're like oh now i have to make a five die attack into cover and i'm not super likely to get like the one or two power that i'm missing to be able to hit the slide. So I might be doing two five dice attacks this turn. Right. Um, when you like, if you're able to like slide into range, make a seven die attack, they have cover and then make a five die attack. They don't have cover. Those two attacks are like pretty similar in <laughs> output. Yeah. I, I thought the math sounds pretty similar, but like, I don't know which is exactly better or worse, but it's, I think it's obviously better to go seven die with without the cover, but I mean it, it's better than you said like two two five dice with one having a cover. Yeah, uh, and really, like I don't know. The issue is that like the four pointer is kind of awkward in a lot of threats. I think Rhino pays uh, a lot of his like power cost in his speed. And I'm trying to play narrow. I'm trying to play on like narrow crises. So if we get my secures, Rhino's suddenly not very good into X-Men, but I have all the same extract problems. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't think he really solved my problem, but also Rhino's just incredibly strong. So like you can never be like, I'm playing one of the best factions in the game and I put one of the best models in the game in the faction. He does. Okay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Oh, go ahead, Josh. I was gonna say funny enough. Um, a couple of locals and this is locals testing um, in the wider world of like competitive MCP. It might be different. Um, I actually haven't had a lot of problems with X-Men with when I bring Sentinel Prime, which is both thematic and kind of funny. Um, the restraint cables help with the cover. I can like choose who I want to focus and say like, oh, you put Storm exactly five millimeters too far forward. And now she's in the middle of my team with no cover. Um, and then him having the potential to just do really big shots um, to bust through cover and like break up some of their like safety helps. And then he also helps the rest of your team get through the cover uh, when you really need to. And he's been, I do have to drop a character. Like I usually drop the two point widow or the, or the bullseye. And I usually run five wide, which isn't as wide as I know you typically tend to run, but it's, mm-hmm. I have had a lot and they can't run away from him either. Cause like, even if his move is double move pull, he's still a big, a big body of rerolls that they have to deal with or just, you know, allow me to start busting through cover again. And it's that's been, a, it's been really good. That's a super interesting idea. Cause like he, one of the things that X-Men really struggle with that's not obvious is like big boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they're really good at controlling size twos and size threes, right. With it, you know, like Logan's throw or yeah. beasts throw or storms or like any of their pushes are just like, killing things with low hit points and uh prime like essentially they have no way to move prime yep and that's a a big problem for them so that, that might be worth looking into i might take a i might take a crack at that plus obviously i've played a ton of prime and uh howling commandos together when i was trying out in humans and it's, that's a hell of a drug <laughs> yeah and so like obviously those two things are pretty good together like i like the idea of uh, commandos walk, shoot something, uh, put prime up or sit rep prime forward. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I can definitely second that. Uh, I've played a bunch of prime with them as well. Uh, there's actually, a, you can, there's actually a recording of me from last season of TTS where I played uh, shield with prime into guardians in a game with, um, what was it? Alien ship where he got, where Starler got the alien ship uh, on the first roll of the game and i was like well this is not gonna be great and just prime there's so many cases where prime just made that game work basically pulling people in making sure they couldn't run away he handing out those re-rolls so that uh, nick fury can get just enough damage in to knock out a rocket or a groot um and also just his ability to just explode dice into people's faces that he can just start taking models off the board himself the, the rerolls are so, so juicy when you're trying to just bump up some of those attacks. I, also, probably one of my favorite things um, is he's got a really big butt for Eye in the Sky. Like, you can cover a lot of ground when someone tries to hit you. And you can get into some wonky places uh, off of stuff like you said, sit rep, or if someone tries to attack you with with things. there'll be You could really shock people with how far away you could get. And still yeah, like, be relevant because you can just yank them back in at range four. 
and the Iron uh, and the Brothers in Arms, as we mentioned before, but not even just in the beginning of the game, but just like randomly in the middle of the game, they're like, "Well, Prime is all the way over there. He's not going to be doing much." And then suddenly he's in the middle of the battlefield. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ways to like get around Eye in the Sky is to go is to like have a range three attack and go base to base with what you want to kill, because mm-hmm. you can't a small base can't travel far enough, and but a large base absolutely can yes uh he was part of my uh push into black order uh i took him several times one of them was against a local who's pretty good with black order he's like our local black order boogeyman um and just he was just looking at the table constantly it was like i can do literally nothing (laughs) at all and like i was like you he can't because he was running you know mind gem because he was running reality corvus space thanos it's like, I literally can't mind you. I can't kidnap your Sentinel Prime. And that's the big linchpin of your list right now. And if I kidnap anyone else, you're just going to like hop him over that piece of terrain and just like absolutely murder whatever is standing there, inclu- including and not limited to Corvus. True. So we talked about the what wasn't working as well. What model or maybe a couple of models from your LVO were really the stars of your roster? Um, so the, the stars of my roster uh, or the one that surprised everybody is Crimson Dynamo. He's definitely the flashiest piece I've put in. I think a lot of people pre LVO were really sleeping on just like how strong Dynamo is from a dice math perspective. Uh, forcing you to like hit confirm two of your hits is really powerful in terms of like reducing incoming damage. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's kind of similar to like the shields of Captain America or Doctor Strange or Cable. And it's not mathematically similar at all. It's so head and shoulders better than those things. It's not even funny and it's costed the same. Yeah. 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 I can, I can see that. Cause you're just, you just have more control when you're reroll, when you're rerolling attack dice, because attack dice sometimes have to deal with triggers. You sometimes rerolling, um, you know, adding, re- adding more defense dice doesn't really get you as much. I don't, I never trust defense dice personally. So adding more defense dice, it's just like nobody really cares about martial prowess. So I don't know why they would care about adding a couple of dice from cable, but rerolling attack dice can be so neutering. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, really strong and you combine that with uh, shock and all the other shield defensive gimmicks. It can just be like too much for somebody to bear on top of, just makes a lot of attacks and gets power really easily. So you can fund Helios. He just like does everything we're looking for. I, I think that um, uh, Matthew hit the nail on the head for one of the things I really like. And that's like negating triggers. Like I found a lot of the games I played, the things that will really hurt me aren't like getting my guys killed. Sometimes it's getting a bunch of really dumb, like shocks and stuns and stuff on my guys because from wild triggers and then they're just leaving them there. Cause they're like, well, you're not going to, sacrifice an action and battlefield medicines down, or you didn't take it. And now you just got to suffer with a three threat guy. That's only half as good. 
of being able to like say, mm, you didn't get that wild or stopping some saps or whatever on someone like, uh, uh, someone that has sap. I can't think of anyone right now. Well, actually, <laughs> since you mentioned that, like I, last night I played a game with Crimson Dynamo and shield and I was playing against Modoc and the, the guy could never get his power up on Modoc because I put Crimson Dynamo up in the middle of the board and he spent so much of his time trying to kill Crimson Dynamo instead of anything else because he knew he had to because otherwise his, the rest of his offense is just not going to click because Crimson Dynamo's got to go. And Modoc would attack Crimson Dynamo and he'd be like, all right, so I rolled two wilds, so I'm going to re-roll those wilds into a hit and a blank and now I don't get that power. Great. <laughs> and now you have your you have your shields back online again because... I didn't sap the power away. Yeah. I mean, Dynamo's a monster and I think people are finally waking up to how strong the character is, especially on those E scenarios. Like, and doubly so on Gamma, where like, if you step out of like getting absolutely dunked by a range four beam, you're just taking auto points. Yeah. It was the vision dilemma before him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but can you imagine if Vision could just like move himself for free? Like, uh. <laughs> More than just the on the Avengers Assemble turn, too. So yeah. anything else about your LVO roster, your 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 what you did in order to win that you thought was key, uh, besides just dodging your worst matchup? Um, I mean, like obviously like I played well, my dice, the dice went my way enough to uh, give me the win. I had a lot of close calls across it. I played a lot of really good opponents. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the list is constructed in a way that just kind of like doubles down on all of the like defensive tactile or like the defensive ticky tacky stuff that lets me eke out advantage on my opponent's turn and let's gives my opponent plenty of rope to hang themselves with and make mistakes, you know, like make an attack against a, with a one hit point character. And I sack it on a bullseye and I parting shot or, you know, punching one of my models and I sack it onto Hawkeye and I quick draw them, you know, or getting got by Luke Cage bodyguard or, or taunt or any of the other things on top of Eye in the Sky, on top of Disruption Field. Yeah. I don't know. So, so like what you're saying is that you're building in a lot of defensive layers. Like when you're playing, you're setting up your, your matchups, you're setting your tactics cards and your character choices. You're trying to set up a situation where it cr- creates these puzzles that and these layers of puzzles on what your opponent's doing, not just for what you do in your turn, but just a plethora of triggers that happen during your opponent's turn. Almost like you are playing both sides of the table. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I don't want to wait until it's my turn again to have agency. I don't want to just like take my hands off the steering wheel. I want to be both hands on the steering wheel as often as possible. And the list is built to do that, to give me some say in every exchange. Well, if anyone wants to go and pull that list in this current um, incarnation, you can probably find it on Longshanks. 
If you go into the championship schedule on Longshanks, you can uh, find the LVO Invitational. I think it has, has a special border around it, so it's very easy to find. And then Vince's name will be right at the top of it. You just click on his list and you'll get everything you need to know. So what we want to do now is talk about the future. So now we're moving forward. We're getting a lot of new models. Not not just do we want to just talk about the fact that we have a box, a new box that has shield models into it, which is, I think, very important, especially since they are four threat models. But also, there are a lot of things coming into the meta now that is kind of the things that... I've at least found tr- difficult with shield, namely a uh, big, beefy, hard hitting folk that are hard to take down because they have damage reduction. Uh, so I w- we wanted to get your thoughts on that. So first off, let's talk about the new box, uh, Agent Venom and Spider Woman. Agent Venom and who? Spider Woman. Oh, oh, okay. Is that model in my faction? Are you sure? Oh yeah, no, it's on the affiliation list and everything. Okay, well, you just go on the AMG website. There. I mean, this this podcast is gonna end, and I'm gonna I'm gonna forget she exists again. Uh, Sounds like you don't like her. I, I I've made it no secret that I don't think Spider Woman fits in Shield. Uh, I don't think Spider Woman's a bad model. I think the internet is too high on her. I think she's totally fine. And I think she has a good kit. I think she helps out Web Warriors quite a bit and Hydra a lot because Hydra has no four threat. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, technically they have uh, a second, the other, what, core Red Skull, but, like, you're not playing core Red Skull. Come on. Um, I So she doesn't really help us with the attrition plan because, you know, like, her ideal attrition is, like, kind of making two five dice attacks. That's kind of what our three threats do. We have a lot of three threats to do that. Like that's what Hawkeye does from mm-hmm. way farther away, from much more, from a much safer place. Uh, what she brings is like kind of victory point scoring. So intoxicating blast is just, you know, like the venom touch from miles, which is very helpful for us uh, because like, we don't have anything in faction that like makes them drop objectives except for what professionals and human torch. Oh, yeah, and uh, Human Torch. But yeah, Human Torch is limited to specific objectives, right? Yeah, they just can't be civilians. They can't be civilians. Because then, right. then he would set and them I on wish fire. They would stop. I wish they would stop doing that. Yeah, I he should just set so the civilians deep. on fire. I agree. He like, sets the person on fire. And they're like, oh, no, I have to drop the civilian. You know, like, um, shouldn't have gotten kidnapped. I'm going to light you on fire now so I can rescue you. Whatever. It's, uh, I just find it confusing when it's like that the subtypes of extracts matter. I, I agree. I, it's very confusing. Um, okay, so she adds to that plan and is unique in the civilian's case. But I like, I struggle to find games where I want to play her and I can't find another piece that does it. And then on top of that, if I really wanted this stuff, I would just like splash Black Cat or another piece out of faction. Like her being in faction doesn't do a ton for us. Like, she can play a handful of our cards, but our cards don't help her do her specific job, in my so, opinion. So, like, for example, if you're just playing her for this mm-hmm. VP advantage ability to 
drop extracts, just play voodoo as an example. Yeah, yeah. just play play voodoo in the same spot. Spot play rhino, and play his card. Uh, play black cat. Play you know. Play torch. You know, play any of those characters. I think all that stuff kind of because that begs the question: How many times do you think in a game you're actually going to do this? Uh, so I think this is like, so it's tough. Like if she's on the board, I'm actively looking to do this. Like, this is the thing I'm actively looking to do. I'm trying to get you to drop your objectives. Uh, I have really mixed feelings on interrogate and they finally ruled on double interrogate. So people can stop bugging me about if they should be playing, uh, agent widow. Uh, you shouldn't interrogate doesn't stack for some reason. They didn't really explain why, but it doesn't. So that's all you need to know. Uh, obviously any rule that says you get a VP is very strong, but interrogate is so situational and so position dependent. And then also costs three power on a power greedy character. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it just doesn't feel great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could, I guess I could see it that um, especially because <laughs> unrelated slightly, I've been playing a lot of Midnight Suns, the video game, and there's this part in the game where if you you get to a, uh, an ability where sometimes when you not when you daze a character or you knock out a character, instead of them getting knocked out, they like show up, and then you're a, they just stand there and you can interrogate them. Literally, that's what's called interrogating them, but it requires you using one of your card actions. And you're so limited on what you could do with card actions. You're like, do I really want to use some of my precious card actions just to get this small reward? But I felt like maybe in this affiliation, if you were playing a game plan of getting ahead, that she would kind of have that advantage of being able to aggressive close to a dazed model to open up her opportunities to be able to play that interrogate. Yeah. So the shield leadership, the front half of the shield leadership does a lot for her, right? Like she has stealth. So barring cards being involved, she can only be shot from range three. Uh, If she takes damage, she could aggressive and get into range two and have martial artist up for the second attack. Um, I don't think that like my feelings on her today are guaranteed to be permanent. I do think somewhere down the line, there could be a viable build of shield that does play this like all in extracts game where, you know, we get two or three more spider woman type pieces. And suddenly like, this is a viable strategy just because of uh, everything's put together. Like maybe somewhere, maybe a couple years from now, they put out a second leader from shield. That's all about victory point gaining. Hmm. Um, I don't know. So if that's the case, I think I could change my opinion on this model. But I think as the faction sits now, I think the other stuff we're doing is stronger than playing Spider-Woman. So what about Agent Venom? Well, well, uh, I, I, I had a question real quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah go ahead. Do, do you think that something like Double Agent has any kind of like space in the strategy? Or is that just like too difficult to really work in with what shield wants to do. Cause I think double yeah. agents probably something a lot of people are really excited about and are like adding to her power level or whatever. 
what a what a cool card dude like a double agent is so what an interesting design in a bunch of ways so uh there's kind of two things going on with double agent so if you don't know uh double agents you the important part of double agent is that you have to play it at the beginning of the activation phase. And then you choose a character. If that character activates, you get to pit, pull the activated token off of spider woman. So everyone's like, Oh, so the card's only good if you're going first and you're going to activate spider woman. Uh, that's obviously when the card is most likely to trigger and you're most likely to get a second activation out of spider woman. But I think the card's really interesting when you don't have priority and you can like potentially make them make bad plays where you can play it on a model that if they activate it first, essentially just gives you priority. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm going to put it on Wong in the back. And uh, <laughs> do you want to go with Hulk and smash one of my characters before I gun him down? Or do you want to activate Wong so that Spider-Woman doesn't get two activations. Uh, the second thing is it can put a huge target on Spider-Woman. It's like, you can put it on a kit. You can do that. I'm like, okay, I put it on Wong. And it's like, do you want to kill Nick Fury who's about to KO over here? Or do you want to daze Spider-Woman before she gets her second activation? Uh, I think those kind of plays are really, really interesting with the card. The other thing that's kind of weird about the card is like, you want to play it when you have priority, but it almost guarantees you won't have priority next turn. Yeah. Because you're going to activate a model twice. Just like difficult to please. Yeah. Um, so I think the card is super interesting, has crazy cool design space. I think it just like, I think it's just not for us. Well, it's difficult with shield because you're, especially with shield because you're kind of sitting there with, probably about four of your slots already taken going into almost every matchup. And then you have a mm -hmm. fifth slot and that's already competing with a lot of good cards. Yes. So yeah. now you're just, I can see that card being like an auto include on her in one of the other four affiliations that she's, she's part <laughs> of. Yeah. And, but with shield it's kind of like, uh, do I take this or I take this other game breakingly awesome card? Maybe in a, in a version, like you said, with a, a different leader that doesn't have eye in the sky has like a different leadership that she like synergizes. I, I also thought it was interesting. It's the wording on her card. Isn't exactly when they activate it's when they gain an activation token. And I thought it'd be really interesting, not in shield, but like maybe like in a midnight suns or Avengers roster to take things to give people activated tokens and start trying to like bait this, like, okay, I activated spider woman and you probably don't want to activate that guy yet. Uh, you probably want to try to kill spider woman. Can you do that? before I put an activated token on your guy and get an like forcefully and you lose an activation and I get an extra one up. But obviously we can't do that yet because we don't have anybody that does that. Uh, well, I mean, we could splash them, but okay. So the problem is though, things that do that currently in the game and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty certain that those are all on like fairly large attacks and if those techs kill the character, they don't place the activated token. Um, that's correct. I, think that, I don't know yeah. if they're all were to be exact same, but probably. But so like, it's, I'm pretty confident that Stranges and Iron Fists don't do it that way. And I think didn't does Ulick have one now? Yeah, yeah, Ulic, and it's after Ulic the attack. It. It's all it's all triggered after the attack is resolved. resolved. So they can have that blowout. But also, you're like Rube Goldberging a thing. 
Oh yeah. For a slot that like the cards that compete with double agent are Are like (laughs) big, powerful effects that are like no brainer to use. Right. Like they don't like, even when you play brace badly, it still like stops three damage. Mm -hmm. Like, and now you're like, not only you're playing double agent, but you're like jumping through another hoop. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I I definitely agree. There's definitely a bit of this is just my my latent advanced R and D brain just finding stupid jank. The the Rube Goldberg machine, like you said, be like that's probably good, right? And the other half, of my brain's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Stop. That being said, I would love someone to pick this up and prove me wrong because the play line that this card creates is so inherently interesting that it is. I think it is kind of a shame that I don't think it's going to see high end play. But man, it's just interesting to think about in like the board states that double agent can create. Well, and it's just like another thing they have to think about on top of eye in the sky and your leaderships and all this stuff. And like, that's part of the, the strategy is to say, Hey, look, I have all these things that you have to think about. And in a timed environment, especially like in a chess clock timed environment, the more time you make your opponent just sit there and stare at the table, the better because it's wasting their time. And it also gives you time to think and time to like, relax it kind of takes the mental load off you and keeps you fresher longer i i do think that there was a a pretty good interesting point that you made vince about what doesn't exist right now with shield and it kind of does feel like she she's like a she's like a peg she's like a square peg trying to fit into a rectangle and it's almost there but it quite doesn't fit but there's a lot of stuff I feel like that's being laid into shield at the moment, but isn't necessarily, you know, fully come out yet. And and that is that sort of like, what could yeah. you do with that extract advantage as well as, you know, a new age still exists. Spider woman does get an advantage mm-hmm. of a new age. And it almost feels like they're on like a tipping point of just like a, maybe even just one box could come, come out and then suddenly all of these other cards and models that we aren't really using as much for shield could suddenly have a new strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that completely. Also, there's this other like side of shield as an organization that I don't think the mechanics have quite yet tipped to. So right now they're like the dudes with guns. They're the last line of defense. They're like, you know, called in to support when we've got nobody else. But the like shadowy nature of S.H.I.E.L.D., like the spy aspect, I don't think they've 100% captured. And I hope if we get more releases for S.H.I.E.L.D., they push more in that direction. Maybe and that like seems a Mariah like, Hill? Maria yeah, Hill? Like, yeah, like a Maria Hill or just like more like Black Widow type things. I don't know. I just like the more like less direct confrontation style stuff i don't think has been fully fleshed out in shield the way that like war foot soldiers with guns has yeah yeah i I can definitely see that and maybe this is the first of a bunch of releases in that line and then i'm gonna look real dumb in three months when the next shield (laughs) box comes out no you won't look dumb because you already stated it right here so now you sound like a prophet (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) i just covered all my bases she's she's i've said she's garbage and also she might be good later (laughs) <laughs> I'm um I'm really looking forward to our uh Mariah Carey uh Mariah Hill uh all I want for Christmas is you shield overlords. <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of my inability to pronounce words, uh, what about uh, agent venom? Oh, venom agente. Uh, <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I like this model a lot. I think he barely fits in shield. Mm-hmm. So the problem that agent venom has to overcome is that agent venom is fragile mm-hmm. and is also just like really similar in kit to Hawkeye. Now he's much more durable than Hawkeye. He's three more hit points than Hawkeye and one more mystic defense. Uh, but if he has to stay at range, just using web swing and shooting his gun, he's not dealing that much more damage than Hawkeye. And if he gets up close, he's putting himself at risk to use uh, all-star quarterback and start throwing things at people. That being said, I think this guy is a really interesting tech piece for exactly the matchup I'm worried about of X-Men. X-Men yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, like magnetic refraction out of brotherhood, like ignoring cover, ignoring rerolls. Uh, also ostensibly shield is not very good into web warriors because web warriors are very good at grabbing stuff and running away. And they have like five stealth models now, which makes it very hard to shoot them. <laughs> So having a piece that can chase them down, ignore their rerolls, and just shoot them to death, be like, hello, uh, how are you, Miles? You are a Def 3 5 health character that is on the front lines. You're dead. Yeah, I've, I've kind of found an interesting through line with the four threats in S.H.I.E.L.D. to be these like very, these characters that seem to be very good at chasing down. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Captain America who's got his extra medium move on him. You have a, wait who? Steve Rogers, Captain America, Steve Rogers. Oh, okay. yes, there, there we go. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> you have uh, Spider Woman who's got the long move, and then you have Agent Venom who's able to web swing, which and have a range for gun, so that he's also able to really just kind of chase after somebody who is, which is something that. You know, as we've talked about in the past, Shield is not very good at chasing down. Mm-hmm. But the four threats seem to have this kind of theme, probably Jessica being the worst of the four because it's just um, an, an action oriented movement. Uh, it's not just an action oriented movement on her. She oh, can, she also has the glides. Yeah, she has body slide by one. Yeah, yeah. So she she has that additional movement. That's true. So. You know, they, they all it's interesting that that seems to be where they're pinning their tech into how to chase down people who run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do think that's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really like this model. I've, I've been having some weird stuff going on in my games with him. So choosing which attack to use on the character is strange. Like this character is desperately power hungry like can drop all his power can like drop 10 power no problem mm-hmm. like what his ideal activation is 13 power what is that uh, what what was what is this 13 power? so like so like if you just wake up and let's say you're you've entered a, a cheat code and you have infinite power on the character the best line for agent venom is to web swing and then w, double symbiote special forces do two beams 
right? That's 10 already, and you haven't even thrown yet for another three. Mm-hmm. So, like, the character can drop 13 power plus one for every condition on him. So, uh, a bajillion power this character can spend. He's never going to have enough power, ever. Uh, I find myself a lot being like, okay, I don't trust five dice builders. So I'm going to shoot my incendiary grenade first, and then I'm going to take shots so that I can just get as much power as I can. And I've done this a bunch of times, and my first roll explodes. I'm just like, the character's dead. And I'm like, boy, would have been great if that had been the builder. (laughs) And I think this just comes down to, you should use the builder more. Uh, and you should incendiary grenade only on like the turns where he has to like walk shoot and it's somebody else that's going to be doing the work. Or if it's a super hard target, like mm. Juggernaut or Malekith or something like that. Or if you just really need to one shot it, right? So you can just one shot it with the incendiary. Well, <laughs> yeah. Or if I just need the dice luck to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, but I, I think the character is good if you can get him the power he can do incredible things but he's soft and i don't know i like him in the uh in the x-men matchup so moving forward uh what what are your thoughts about are you are you changing at all how you approach using shield or dropping you know, your favorite characters out of shield into your ro- from your rosters. What what is your what is your next step? Looking at the landscape and uh, especially keeping in mind the fact that this Ulick and possibly even Beta Ray Bill might be much more prevalent in the landscape, so that there are even more tanky people walking around. Yeah, uh, both those models are like unique conundrums for Shield too, for different reasons. Like we're pretty good at killing Ulick. But I like Eye in the Sky borderline doesn't work on Ulick because he just just pays through power again and then attacks you again anyway. Um, and Beta Ray Bill were is hard to kill because he's immune to incinerate and can reduce damage to zero and has four physical defense. So both of those models I'm worried about against Shield, but not as worried as I am about just playing against X Men. So I'm keeping the core of my shield list together. Like I'm still largely going to play the gun line, play as much defensive tech as I can cram in there. And I'm going down a bunch of rabbit holes to try to solve X-Men. Top of ideas so far. So we, Josh already covered Sentinels. That's been added to the bottom of the list. We're going to try that guy Mm -hmm. pretty soon. Uh, I've been playing around with a bunch of different versions of Thanos so that I can kidnap the models that try to run away or try not to stand on the midline. Oh, you're talking, you're talking my language here. Right. Uh, and you know, I think Thanos is kind of broken. And so just playing something very strong, uh, that is balanced by the fact that his box costs too much money. Uh, I think is a thing I'm going to look into doing and seems strong in shield. Uh, I'm looking at splashing Avengers because I could play a, pr- a fairly suboptimal Sam list into uh, into them by splashing like two characters. Like I just have to find two slots and I just play like Hulk and Sam, and I can play Avengers at almost every threat. 
Okay. That also gives you like a good low threat too, doesn't it? Because Sam at like 15 feels pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like, uh, I want to play around with Juggernaut as well. I think Juggernaut's like a pretty interesting, like good pay to flips guy that can chase. Uh, so yeah, so I have a lot of ideas. Do you think that... So when I would play Avengers into X-Men, you know, a lot of it was just trying to cram in a mu- as much removing of their leadership as possible. And so with the general gist of your current roster, you you have uh what so you have so you have Hawkeye who can remove cover mm-hmm. and you would have Agent Venom who ignores cover essentially or yep. prevents them from prevents them from uh Modifying their dice so they cannot gain the benefits of cover, uh, <laughs> and then we you have Bullseye who can ignore cover. Mm-hmm. So, and then if you toss in someone like Sam, that's four. Mo- and then Iron Man has his his yeah the, the Iron Man and uh, Iron Man and Crimson Dynamo both have the ignore cover homing rockets. It, it's like nice when it comes up, like the reason to spend the power on those characters is you're looking for the range. Yeah. Right. It's almost never correct to use it over Friday. AI, for example, or over shooting the beam. Yeah. Like, uh, the power generation conundrum is just really tough and the damage increase isn't enough to warrant mm-hmm. that. But with that, that kind of slot into your roster, you could have like a team, almost completely dedicated to not to ignoring cover you know mm-hmm. probably you don't want to you don't necessarily want to use all of them because you might want to still have the commandos in there and fury himself doesn't ignore the cover but he does get to pierce the cover which is nice mm-hmm. so you could still you're i feel like there's more game into that specific leadership i think probably the hardest part is the fact that they grab and run things so easily yeah it's so like the cover is kind of like the straw that like breaks shields back like i have a bunch of stuff in this roster that ignores cover because it's a problem and like people are playing scoundrels and so like i have to have plans for all those things but it's it's like a layering of things with uh that faction like it's that they ignore cover or that they are sorry that they all have cover that they don't have to stand on the midline. So I don't get to shoot them turn one because they have like multiple ways to grab things and run. It's like that they play flips uh, shields. Worst scenarios are all the flip scenarios. Like they're not atrociously bad, but they're for an all rounder faction. They're the thing we're the worst at. And then uh, the healing factor characters, because we're like a paper cuts faction. And then you have multiple characters that heal one or two every turn. And then those characters also get around the spikes because somebody decided that putting exceptional healing was a good idea uh, on healing characters. <laughs> right. You know what uh, really synergizes well with healing? Not being able to be one shot. The thing that counters healing. That'll bring that grievous wounds, I guess. Uh, uh, is that card still legal? And also that card's bad. That card is, is terrible. Still, it is still legal. It is bad. The one time I tried it was back in the, in the Modoc era. And I put it, and I had, uh, I think, Angela roll up, do the Grievous Wounds, do a, a big attack into a MODOK, didn't do damage. <laughs> didn't, didn't get the ability. 
Womp womp. Big womp. Don't so, don't don't play uh, tactics cards that rely on dice, folks. So yeah. so I have a really stupid suggestion for ignoring cover, mm-hmm. and I'm ready for you to say no. So like I'm, a lot of people I'm would say, to, I'm ready to tell you I've already tried it, but go ahead. I'm I'm excited. So a lot of people, you said Sam, and mm-hmm. and Sam ignores cover with the shield throw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to do you one better and say we should play Captain America, not not shield Captain America. Normal Captain uh, America, because he's all got a, three Captain Americas have a shield. <laughs> normal, but Steve Rogers Captain America, Steve Rogers does not have shield throw, which is not a ricocheting ignores cover gains power. And also, uh, normal Captain America can throw people with a shield slam, which is not something we get to do very often. Uh, maybe not the greatest part, but also bodyguard and can keep some of your guys safe. And he doesn't really need his power. Like he only ever needs like two. So he's like a really good target to like take a big hit, take a bunch of damage, flip over to his backside and then just feed all that power into a Helios. It's awful, but it's so, it'd be so funny to watch you win a game with splashed Avengers leader, (laughs) Captain America. So I actually was really surprised when they announced shield that Steve Roger or that core cap was not in shield. I'm extra sad because my core caps paint job is in the shield uh, scheme. Oh, he's in the winter soldier outfit. And then he wasn't in the faction. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd play him, but like the shield throw is exactly the kind of thing we want. And the bodyguard is also really good. I think cap could be really good in a shield roster. I'm just really not convinced that it does anything to solve the X-Men problem because this model doesn't chase yeah that's all. the big thing he, he doesn't chase at all he, he he has a good the good cover removal aspect which like you can maybe do some sneaky stuff with like a ricochet off a guy into the guy that ran away but like that's probably not enough it's very right? we're, we're really hoping for yeah we're real but i mean hey we we're, we're gotta hope sometimes but it, it's like one of those things it was a funny thought i had because we were talking about um you're talking about Avengers and Sam, and I was like, oh, well, what about Steve? <laughs> no one yeah, ever talks about Steve. Was, I think if he was in faction, I would give him a more serious look. Uh, I So I like it. Uh, the things that are tough for Cap here is that he kind of like, he does kind of a similar job to Luke in my roster, right? So I like, mm-hmm. I like that aspect. Maybe I could cut Luke and put Cap in and like all the situations where I play Luke, I could play Cap. But like Cap gets flipped really easily. So you're it's a fourth threat, you're gonna lose his activation at some point. And like I can't really afford to spend resources protecting my bodyguard character. Yeah. Uh, I really like the shield throw. I love the five dice shield throw. The shield throw is so cool. But outside of that, like it's like that and bodyguard that I like. And everything else I think on him, I am like very blah on. I mean, that's basically what his, his that's basically, basically his card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you throw a bunch of shields at people, you bodyguard and occasionally vibranium shield. And sometimes when it wins you a game, you shield slam somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my issue is that like, I don't think he's going to actually solve that matchup and that I'm worried about whether I'll get my four threat out of him compared to just playing uh bullseye widow. Yeah. I, that, I think that is honestly the biggest competition to a lot of the high threat, especially like four threat splashes is, mm-hmm. is this just better than bullseye widow? Because that's such a good combo. 
I mean, that's the problem that Agent Venom has. Like Crimson Dynamo does such a different thing and he's so good at his job that if it's a narrow scenario, he just like absolutely will do better than those two. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of four threats actually compete with that combo. And I think people really underrate Widow. Oh, yeah. I think they have since the start of the game. I think she's always been solid. I, I think Toad takes a lot of her real estate in people's mind. I think a lot of people playing Toad should be playing Widow. Mm, I I see that, too. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree there. The, I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that a- that Agent Venom does provide something probably the best in that matchup out of all the options we mentioned, just because mm-hmm. he has, well, he's already affiliated. Not that you need that for it, but having it does help. And mm-hmm. he has, he has the ability to chase and he has the ability to ignore cover. So he's probably your best bet. If you're going to choose anything. Yeah. He also, I've had this come up a couple of my games. He's a model that like, is pretty uniquely good at using eye in the sky because of wall crawler. Cause the, Ooh, yeah. So like one of the things you can do with agent venom is when you find like, uh, like a size three car or something and he can, instead of standing on top of it or he like, you know, he like stands on top of a size three car. Right. And like shoot somebody and he's clearly overextended and like Wolverine shows up to come ruin his day and, you know, like make sure to get within one so that I can't get out. And you just, I am this guy to the other side of the car and you've ripped, you've broken line of sight and it turns it off. Oh, I, like, I actually like that. That's actually an interesting, uh, an interesting way to use it. Even if you're in front of So like in that situation, you don't actually need wall crawler, but if you were like in front of the car to get range on what you're shooting, what you're overextending at, because that's being in front of cars, the thing that's making you overextended. Um, you can just walk to the other side of the car because short is longer than the width of most uh vehicles in the game you can also like on something like the bugle style terrain or like even a big building like a lot of the time people can position to where you can't like turn like curve the stick to get around the building and get out of line of sight or range but you could just go straight over and make a like a a bigger line across the building to get further away and maybe take some people by surprise that way too yeah yeah i had a situation in a game where uh, someone was going to try to uh, hit my luke and I had to, in order to get hit, I mean, it was able to do it just barely, but it was really difficult to try and do the eye in the sky, move around a building to break the line of sight thing. Um, but yeah, of course, if he just had a wall crawler, he could just go over the building, it would have been easy peasy. Even better because then the person wouldn't have been able to like run around as easily and get him at all. So do you, you mentioned a little bit, we mentioned a little bit about Ulick and Beta Ray Bill. They all had their individual worries. X-Men still the top worry. What about Brotherhood? Uh, So the Brotherhood matchup is like, it's tight. Like I think Brotherhood's the best thing in the game. Uh, It like in a vacuum. I think they have the best spread of matchups. I think they have some of the best pieces in the game. I think they're really, really strong. And if they're not top dog, they're easily top four and you know, they have a silver bullet for us. And I've played this matchup a bunch. I actually lost most recently. Uh, 
I think the most important part of that matchup is just losing the priority role and getting to pick points and then hoping you don't flip double 15s. Because I think yeah. we have a really good matchup into them at every threat except for 15. But the uh, the anti-cover stuff works really well here because they stand there and they try to fight you. Like they just put the cover up and they fight you. And so you get to double tap all your guns and it's about, you know, having good positioning, making sure you double tap your guns as often as possible. And then uh, to a certain extent, putting it on the dice and taking key dazes when you can get them and, you know, like sniping the objectives when you can. Uh, and the other thing that's really nice about that is they play like four of the same missions you want to play. Like most builds of Brotherhood have like the same kind of stuff. True. Like yeah. If I pull up DeLuca's list that he played against me at LVO, we both have Gamma Wave, we both have Demons, we both have Researcher. Uh, so we have three in common. And then the only two uh, here I don't like are, Sinners, are uh, Scoundrels and Senators. Uh, he's just way better. I hate Scoundrels because cover everywhere again. And then uh, Senators is just kind of a rough, like Brotherhood's just so good at Senators. And then he has Scrolls, which we're fine at. Scrolls was almost in my list. And if a shield player was playing Scrolls, I wouldn't say they were crazy. What's the benefit of Scrolls for shield? Uh, so like on paper, it's like somebody goes up, grabs the objective and gets pushed towards you. And then you just shoot them with your guns on the deployment line. It's like, you know, I don't know, like they double walk Logan, Logan misses the 80 percenter and then they just get pushed at it and you just kill Logan with all of your guns. You shoot him six times. He dies. Yep. And we uh, also have the benefit of Black Widow being able to move up, grab our own and move back even if she gets pushed. Yeah. A long generally, river. Shield's plan is like you only pick up your home scroll and you just like let them have them. You're like, fine. They're like, if you pick these up, I'm just going to shoot you. That's my plan. The problem is the people that play scrolls don't play it fairly. So, uh, well, most people who are bringing the crate, their own crises are trying to play it as unfairly as possible. Yeah. I, I think scrolls is like a special case. Like everybody grabs the scroll planning for it to fail and then being able to back up. They all have like eyes on the prize or something like that to get advantage on scrolls. And so I just like, I cut it from my list. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Again, you know, it, it's probably a good, uh, overall, strategy tip to plan for failure <laughs> yeah uh so we're gonna dive into a few listener questions okay. and then we'll if there's anything we're missing we'll top it off with the uh, with a summary and that'll be it that'll be our revisiting of shield so our first question uh well our first question i think we answered was from one absolute matt why don't you believe Spider-Woman slots into your version of S.H.I.E.L.D.? We've uh, talked at great length about that a little earlier in the cast, um, but both not good, right? Not as good right now, not a perfect fit, maybe in the future. Um, Rylan says, what list terrifies you the most and how do you play into it? <laughs> I think we've also covered this, that it's X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I can sound like a broken record for it. Uh, like how you play into it is you like 
So one of the things that's really tough to understand about Marvel Crisis Protocol in general, and it's a thing that's really key to playing Shield well, is understanding the tempo of the game. Like, if the status quo holds, will I win or will I lose? So, like, a great example of this is, like, you have a character that could come help you if next turn if they double walk off the far D point this turn, right? But do I need that victory point more or do I need their impact more? And generally in shield, you will find yourself walking at X-Men and not standing on those back points and not collecting those back points because you need to be wrestling them for the extracts. Yeah. And that means that you're wasting a bunch of actions that are already, like all of your attacks are already less good because you're trying to nickel and dime them, but they're doing a bunch of cover. And then well, and like, also like our faction, like largely doesn't have fantastic action compression. So we're always trying to stand still and double tap. Yep. So our last question, uh, which is uh, a good one is from mad Mulligan. What is the best way for shield to handle tall lists? Uh, they do really well in the tall lists. They do. Uh, when, you know, like M- Michelle Obama says, when uh, they go tall, you go wide. <laughs> um, I really like going wide against tall lists. I just think it's really strong. Uh, it definitely has a tempo to it that is different from normal Marvel Crisis Protocol. So how I play against tall lists is I play wide. Like, I'm still looking to get damage pieces. I'm not like... How many twos can I fit in my list? It's like, I'm still trying to build an attrition list, but by putting my hit points in lots of different buckets, when their first activation kills something or even disaster scenario kills two things, right? I'm still in the fight. I haven't lost that many points. It's not like they've killed my Hulk and it's just game over. Like they're, they activate first Malekith, they kill my Hulk game. Um, so instead, they he kills like Bucky and Widow, and then the rest of my team gets to shoot Malekith. So into tall lists, use your uh, things that make your dice better. Like, make sure you put Incinerate on the tall models. Tall models don't have actions to spare to shake conditions. If you put Incinerate on them, it will stick for the game or until they're flipped. Um build power quickly and take what they give you. So like if they give you a little chintzy model, but you want to kill their big model, don't go walk past the little model to shoot the, to shoot the little model. Just take it off the table, uh, get your power, get ready for Helios later in the game. Um, if, wow, well, what, what else? Where was it? Okay. Uh, take what they give you. Um, For target priority, try to take activations away from them or set up situations where uh, they have a bad choice on what to activate first. So like, let's say uh, my buddy Alex is playing a lot of Red Skull Malekith. So like those are his two big threats and I want to threaten both of them always. I go, whichever one you don't activate, I'm going to take off the table. Right. So it kind of doesn't matter how successful your Malekith activation is. I'm going to be just as successful on Red Skull or vice versa. Yeah. So you want to threaden both and then use Eye in the Sky 
usually on their first activation. I mean, like you want to use it well and you want to use it where it has high likelihood to impact the game, but you really want to make it make them feel like they did not have a good first activation. Yeah, I think that Eye in the Sky is a huge point on it. I, I've played a few into a few tall lists as well, and uh, everything you're saying is really on point on ter- handling them. But th- there's so much, there's so much pressure when someone's playing a tall list to make sure that their activations count, and when they're facing off against you as, sh- uh, as the shield player there's a lot of nervousness and they're worried about making a mistake because you have so many elements to mess with their activation that is so valuable to them between sacrifice and, you know, heroes for hire when, when you have Luke and, you know, bra- you have your brace and you have your eye in the sky and you have all these other things and it makes it that much more difficult for them to figure out what is the best play. And it, opens up an opportunity for your opponent to make mistakes. I feel like every time I play against a tall list with shield, the opponent inevitably makes multiple mistakes because they're just trying to think of every single scenario they can do in order to maximize that activation that they're going to have with their big models. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, in terms of like, just uh, take things that you said, Hawkeye is a phenomenal model into tallists because he hands out conditions he hands out conditions they really don't want they don't want to be slowed they don't want to be shocked you know they 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 don't want to deal with any of that it's hard for them to get to him because he's far away and if they're going and overextending themselves to chase after hawkeye that's probably a good thing for you because they're spending a lot of effort and energy and power and activations to take out your three threat model and putting probably putting them right in the middle of all your other models to shoot at that model if they need to as well as Crimson Dynamo is a phenomenal piece, uh, not in affiliation, but as the splash because tall models like to be on narrow setups and shield likes to be on narrow setups and handing out those shocks and redu- and removing their ability to get strong attacks is everything that you need to, to, to take care of a, of a tall list. Uh, I would be careful. So I agree with everything you said, except for kind of that last bit. I'd be very careful playing Crimson Dynamo into a tall list because he has fewer targets. And uh, like, you know, Malekith can overpower the rerolls. Even shocked. Like he can just like, he can just spike his way through. So just, I, I agree. It's, I agree. It's not always wrong, but just be careful with it. Like know that you're kind of riding a razor's edge when you're doing that. One thing that's nice about Crimson Dynamo into a tall list, like a Malekith list, is mm-hmm. the fact that he draws so much attention Yeah, that it allows you to do, to just basically have carte blanche with the rest of your list. Because your, your, that, that tall model list needs to get rid of Crimson Dynamo. And it stinks because it is your fourth threat model, but that fourth threat model is just soaking up actions. Uh, the other thing is that, are you really finding that like, the tall lists really like narrow scenarios. I can think of like a tall list that does, but I find that like a lot of, especially like, so I'm thinking of like Malekith and kind of anybody that's playing Hulk and Jugs would much rather play on like Extremis because all the tall models, it feels like, especially the modern ones are very fast. I feel like um, the Malekith ones are still in this like 
center and it might be better for them to be on these like d shapes but i feel like a lot of those malachit lists are still running up and down the board a lot uh i definitely think the hulk and juggernaut is a different brand of a tall list and they definitely kind of split the map up a bit more yeah because what i'm finding and like again i view so much of this game through a shield lens that it can kind of blind me to other aspects of the game but I find that like when I end up on a wide scenario and they go tall, I don't like I'm not able to actually score out and like punish them for going tall because they're just so fast and they can just get to me. And then I can't get the surface area for uh, for my guns to really dig into enough stuff. And I'm just like splitting my fire. Yeah, especially with these new things like Ulick. Mm hmm. Uh... But yeah, I mean, obviously you got to play this as a crisis as well. Uh, just in my experience, I've been noticing a lot of tall rosters have been wanting to keep it closer closer together, maybe because they're trying to maximize funneling into a murder hole. But our murder hole can be just as good. I'm not... So that, yeah? The murder hole is probably not the way I would probably want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I... I... I I don't like being characterized as a murder hole. Maybe that's how you play shield, but over here, we're the good guys. <laughs> well, you know, depends on which comic line you're reading. Depends on whether or not shield is the good guys. I I I am impartial to meat grinder. All right. Um. We'll uh, uh we'll meet we'll meet at meat grinder, but it doesn't sound like Vince is on a meat grinder. Uh, grinder. I think shield is always the good guys. We're not always the protagonist. But we're always the good guys, except know, for do, when we're Hydra, right? Do, do you remember that part that that line where Shield was taking all the bad guys and brainwashing them and putting them into a, a town, and took away that all sounds, their agency? That sounds great. That seems perfect. Seems exactly like the kind of thing we want to do. It's better than sending them to a murder hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to murder hole all these people? <laughs> like I'm talking about rehabilitation. Remember that time that they sent them all to the negative zone? <laughs> Okay. So they so they yeah. didn't have any uh any is, rights is anymore because like, they weren't on they weren't on Earth soil. That sounds way better than the murder hole. <laughs> See, he that means like, that we just, go ahead. You you've just picked the you've, you've picked the wrong corner, dude. You're like I'm gonna die on this murder hole hill. I hope it, I don't fall in. It's a murder hole. It's a, some things are worse than death. Anyway, uh, we're I, running I, want low you, on I want you to think of how good it is to send people that are bad to the negative zone, right? That means they're the most positive things there. And that's got to be a confidence boost. They've got to come back feeling like, you know what? I am the good guy because I wasn't the worst thing there. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so any other final thoughts about S.H.I.E.L.D. moving forward in 2023? play shield come find me at adepticon watch my content <laughs> sentinel prime is the future because we all hate mutants i guess oh god i hate them so much oh, mutants are the worst <laughs> if not in if not on table at least in spirit they, they all need to go to the negative zone <laughs> to the murder hole is it is it acceptable to put mutants in the murder zone vince <laughs> the murder zone even sounds so much better than murder hole murder oh hole <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Highway to the murder zone. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Vince. Where can people find more of your content that you were just talking about? Absolutely. Uh, You can find me on Alfredo Size 3 Taco Truck, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. Just Google Alfredo's Size 3 Taco Truck. It'll be the first thing you find. Uh, Our SEO is ridiculous. Nobody else thought to name anything like this. Definitely not a taqueria. Um, We... Uh, you can also find me on YouTube, Vincent Kirkov, C-U-R-K-O-V. Uh, I do all kinds of Marvel content. And, you know, months before I won LVO with S.H.I.E.L.D., I taught everybody how to play them and play against them on that YouTube channel. Okay. If you were watching, you could have beat me at LVO. Um, and then I just put up there a Marvel Crisis Protocol game show where... Uh, a handful of contestants try to answer Marvel Crisis Protocol trivia correctly, and I think it went pretty well. It, it, one of my single favorite pieces of Marvel Crisis Protocol content, uh, mostly because it's only Marvel Crisis Protocol adjacent, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is barely a Marvel Crisis Protocol show. <laughs> All right. And fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. And that will be it for this episode, this 50th episode of the Gamers Guild podcast. So hopefully this was helpful for everyone and you've learned a little bit more. And all three of us say, please go out and play some S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a whole lot of fun for at least you, maybe not your opponent, but at least you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, Until next time, keep on gaming.